Welcome to the What in the Shiba podcast with Suji and Ed. We're just two Asian Americans talking shit about shit. Sure do. Hi, Ed. Hey. How was your week? It was good. It awesome. was good. We had fun. Uh, yeah, we did. This week, mm -hmm. we went to, um, what was it called? What was the place? Hungry Crowd. Hungry Crowd. Oh, I was talking about the comedy show. Oh. We did two things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first one was eating at Hungry Crowd in Toluca Lake, which was incredible. I cannot stop thinking about that ravioli. No, clearly I can't either because that's what I thought you were talking about. <laughs> I was like, food? Yes, food. <laughs> it was so, so good. Yeah, no, but seriously, if you guys are in the area or you guys ever go to Hollywood Studios, it's like literally 10 minutes away, stop by. Beg them to put the kimchi Beg raviolis them. on the menu, but everything there is phenomenal. It was so I good. mean, we only ate two things, but I'm but, pretty sure. But judging from just those two yeah. things, if everything else is even half as good, yeah. they're good to go. And judging off of the other people's reactions, yeah. Yeah, as we were watching them eat their hot pot and various things, I was like, why didn't we order that? I wanna eat that too, but you know, yeah. in due time. And then we went to the comedy show, which was at Comedy Chateau. Chateau. Mm -hmm. uh, we saw our friend Ellen perform. We saw a whole bunch of, you know, Asian American comedians. It was so good to be yeah. in that environment with so many talented Asian Americans. I don't remember the last time I've done something like that. Yeah, and it was really nice to see an outpouring of support for mm -hmm. the Asian community. As someone who's tried stand-up comedy themselves, it's really refreshing. And when I did it, I was the only Asian person. That's so brave. Yeah. That's so, so brave. I, would, I don't think I'd have the guts to do it. Oh, I think I could do it, but then I'm like, man. no, but I couldn't. I For the longest time, my first, my first time I ever got up on stage, I bombed so hard. Oh. I told one joke, and as people started clapping, that like adrenaline washed over me and oh, I no. instantly forgot everything. And then people started being really supportive. They started clapping mm. and they'd be like, you got this, you got this, which made me more nervous. Oh no, oh, no. that makes it worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I was always like, thank God that it, recording doesn't exist. And somehow I found it. Oh no. Like a two years ago. And I was like, oh God, oh God. I was so like, delete, delete. And I was like, no, I can't delete this, but. I you should play it. it for us. You should put a pause in the editing right no. now and just play a clip. <laughs> Would it I be putting you on the spot courage. to be like, tell me your best joke? <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the worst part. And then when someone noticed me at Target one day and they were like, I know you. And I was like, no, you don't. And they were like, oh, do you do stand up? And I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. And they were like, oh yeah, I've been to one of your shows. And I was like, and I quit. I, I was like, I hate this. Don't ever want to yeah. do that. Fast forward 10 years and irony, irony. Yeah. I think, you know, I watched these stand-up comedians and I thought like they all did such a great job, but I don't the stress and the pressure of standing up and trying to make people laugh. Like, I feel like I have made people laugh, but I don't necessarily do it like with so much, I don't know, consciousness and thought to put it together. Like it looked really, I don't wanna say they made it look difficult, but like I imagine like how difficult it really is to be standing up. It's nerve wracking. Like it's gotta be. Yeah, and Ooh. it's like the weirdest thing is, is like I feel like a lot of comedians get into it to help their anxiety and their self confidence. To help with it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's no. like Let's something. Riddle me with it. There's like something about like self deprecating yourself that like helps mm. to build up. I don't know. It's like it was weird. I guess val you're just looking for validation, like, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess that's so. It's like a very industry. vicious cycle. I bet. I bet. Yeah. But we got to meet Guy Tang. Yeah. From Bling Empire. Yeah. That was really cool. He was so nice. Yeah. Guy, come be on the podcast. Yeah. Guy's probably <laughs> going to be on a podcast. We're not being subtle about it. <laughs> yeah. And we met a lot of really great people from mm -hmm. the community. You know, we did. There was so much support for us, yeah. too. Like, mm -hmm. we met so many people that, you know, follow us on social media. And it's so encouraging. You know, it's really hard to gauge, like, if you're making really any kind of impact on people and you don't really, there's no meter for that. So when you're in an environment where you're just being supported by people who really understand your perspective and your point of view and to feel validated by them and to have them say like, you know, I really relate to you or I really have learned so much from you or whatever, it's, 
it's great, obviously, for my ego, but also it's just like, okay, I'm I'm doing something. I'm doing something that I think is actually positive. Yeah, it feels good. Yeah, no, it does. It does feel great to have that support. And just for anyone who's ever interacted with me before or <laughs> might interact with me in the future, I just want to apologize in the, in advance. I have crippling anxiety, and I don't mean to come off dismissive or like a dick, but sometimes I freeze up and. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I don't think you came off as a dick at all. Okay. I really don't. I would have. I would have noticed. Oh right, right, right. Because we were we were drinking. Yeah. We, yeah. Oh, that, 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 that helps. That helps yeah, a lot. That always helps. Um, but I think I think you handled it great. I mean, it's it can be very. Um, Thank you. It can definitely be uh, surprising when that happens. Um, the few times it's happened to me, I'm often like, "What you like? Oh, you like me? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Really? You know?" And you get it's very humbling, but at the same time, I think you know, I think you handled it great. Yeah. I and mean, what are we supposed to do, right? Like, just stand there. As long as I don't turn you. away and run <laughs> off, I guess it's a win, because that's what I want to do. Um, so today's topic is maybe not the funnest, but maybe one of the more important topics that we have to talk about. And um, we're going to talk about workplace discrimination today. And I have essentially worked for my family or with my family my entire life. So the discrimination I have found and felt at work doesn't come from the people that I work with or for, but sometimes, you know, with the people that I interact with, like clients and things like that. So hearing these stories, I'm like, man, it's sounds rough out there. Yeah. And that's uh, workplace discrimination is actually a main factor as to why I've decided I never want to work in a corporate environment again. Mm, and, I and, and I really went full force with my own company um, and just hope to never be into that position again because yeah. yeah it's 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 too much yeah i realize now after reading some of these how lucky i am to have continually worked with my family so i've never i mean like don't get me wrong my dad and my mom have been very mean to me but yeah. not, I mean, not, in, not yeah, in a yeah. discriminatory way right. <laughs> they like yell at me a lot and make me work like a fucking dog yeah. but you know it was not because i was asian <laughs> so at least i had that going for me i mean it's because or you not, were all asian right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. i meant that but different yeah um so uh, do you want to get, should we just get into it, I guess? Yeah, let's just get into it. So we did the, the thing where we had our viewers and followers write in, which we love. I did the thing. You told me not <laughs> to do. The, <laughs> um, the write-ins are honestly my favorite. I love it so much hearing from you guys. And you guys, again, just really came through. I mean, unfortunately, again, we can't read them all because there were so many. Um, so we've chosen a few and... Uh, I think they're all pretty insightful. Yeah. So let's start. Uh, do you want to start this one? Sure. Okay. So we hit the first one we have from Chow, um, and they even wrote, "My name is Chow, pronounced like Chow." There will be a distinction. Her her name is spelled C H A O, but she wants to make sure it's like pronounced like Chow, like C H O W. Um, so she wrote, "And I have a doozy of a story." I worked previously for a manufacturing supplier. We bought and sold tools and supplies to manufacturing companies, big and small. I was the purchasing assistant for the tooling department, so I worked with vendors from all over the U.S. and internationally. Mind you, this industry is white male dominated and very conservative. Mm, doozy of a combination, she was right. Yeah. This story is not about those vendors. This is about what came from within the company. The company, like the industry, was also white male dominated. It was in 2019 as it was before the pandemic, and it was a Friday. The company also sold CNC machines, so at times there were clients walking through the hallways viewing the different machines that the company had set up. Real quick, in case you guys don't know what CNC machines are, they're these computer-operated machines that um, do things like cutting metals and stuff oh. very pre precisely. 
So I remember seeing a group of Asian women walking through viewing the machines during the day. I remember them because it's not often that there are people of color that work for the company nor walk through viewing the machines for sale. I was one of maybe five people of color that work for a company with less than five, 500 employees across the state, a few states. I continue with my work day and it's now nearing the end of the day. My day usually ended around 4.30. It was close to 4 p.m. and I see a white woman walking up the aisle towards me and stops at my cubicle. She is, in the, she is the accounting manager who works on the other side of the building. I don't normally see her or her team since we work on opposite sides of the building. She walks up to my supervisor. She walks up as my supervisor takes off for the day. He walks past her as she stops at my desk and proceeds to say, hey, I don't mean to, quote, typecast you, but Ugh. Ugh. as I hear the but, my brain braces for something racist. I think your family's waiting for you in the lobby, she says. Okay. I respond, what? What do you mean? My family doesn't know where I work and they didn't say anything about visiting. She says, there's a group of Asian women in the lobby and I assume they're your family. I'm just flabbergasted. My supervisor walks past as this conversation is happening and I'm just appalled at what just happened. I'm not quite sure how this conversation ended as I was just so shocked that someone would think that. My workday ended and my drive home was a blur. I get home and I tell my husband what happened and I'm pretty sure I cried. It consumed my thoughts all weekend about how to handle the situation. I was a peon at this company. Come Monday morning, I go to work with a plan. I was going to speak with my supervisor and then go talk to HR about the incident. I spoke with HR and they were appalled and apologetic about it. They asked me if I was comfortable with telling them who it was, but I did not tell them who it was as if I did say their name, it was going to get back to me and I was worried about retaliation. After speaking with HR, I asked to speak to my supervisor in private. I asked him if he heard some of the conversation as he walked past that Friday. He said he did. I told him how it made me feel and he gave me the usual manager slash supervisor response of quote, this is not who we are. Internally, I just rolled my eyes. Mm -hmm. Uh, a few months later, it's my yearly, yearly review and I'm given a worksheet as they usually do for performance reviews to, to complete. One of the questions was, what can this company improve upon? I took this as an opportunity to write my concerns about racial discrimination in the workplace and wrote down the managers and supervisors wrote down that managers and supervisors need equality and diversity training so that my situation wouldn't happen again. My yearly review comes up and it's my supervisor, my department director and I, we go out to lunch and go through the performance review. As we get through it, we come to the manager slash supervisor improvement. My supervisor had informed the department head what had happened, so he was aware. This white man proceeds to tell me that I should go to this person and talk to them about it, like it was an individual issue. I wasn't going to talk to a manager that I had no connection to, to at work. I was only there for three years while this woman had been there for at the company for 20 plus years. I looked at my department head and said to him, it's not my job as a person of color to teach others how not to be racist. I would never think in a million years that you and my supervisor are related just because you both have brown hair and brown eyes. Fair. Crickets. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. If it's inappropriate, I'll cut it. <laughs> the meeting and lunch end with no resolution nor any promises of improvement. I left that company in 2021 for a better paying job and better work environment. Good. My mental health has improved so much and my manager is amazing. Before I left, I did have a couple of exit interviews, one with HR and another with the tooling department manager. She was my supervisor's boss. She was trying very hard to keep me, but I told her that nothing would keep me at that company. She then asked what they could improve upon and I told her about what I had written in my performance review. Because I was leaving the company, I was comfortable with telling her about the racist incident and who it was. 
I was informed H I also informed HR who it was and the reason why I was giving them a name now and not then. Department the department manager was appalled as I told her what happened with that woman and also with how my supervisor and department director handled the situation. She stated that previous employees who have left have expressed the workplace environment as one of core reasons as one of the core reasons for leaving. Looking back, I wish I did more, but in hindsight but hindsight is 2020 and I didn't feel like I had the power or support. I'm happy where I am now. We're happy for you too. Gosh, yeah. that is rough. That is rough. To to not feel supported by the people that you work with that are, you know, your superiors, especially when it comes to things that are so sensitive like that would be I mean, I can't imagine how frustrating it would be. It would drive me fucking crazy. Yeah, that's that's really frustrating because I, I I've, so I used to work as a recruiter. Um, so we used to work at, I used to work at this company that was like a recruiting agency. Mm -hmm. And when I first started, they put me into what was called the commercial section uh, department. So basically I was working on all skilled laborers, light laborers and things like that. And that's the reason why I know what CNC machines right, and stuff I was like, are. How, yeah, how did you know that? Yeah, so um, we worked with places like these. And then right after I left there, before I worked at my most recent employed job, um, I also worked at a CNC company. And it was literally only for like two weeks while I was waiting to hear back from the other company, my mm -hmm. last company mm -hmm. that I worked for. So there was like an in-between period, but I also wanted to leave the agency that I worked for so badly that I left, went to this place. And then I was kind of like, look, maybe it won't be that bad. That environment was so toxic. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like, I literally left because the company that I ended up working for before I worked for myself, which, you know, I'll get into why I'm not naming that company later on, but I basically t called them at like three o'clock in the morning LA time because they flew me out here for, an in for the final interview. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I was getting the job. So then I called in to be like, oh, hey, sorry. Yeah, I'm quitting today oh. as of effectively. And it just, it was so toxic. It was, that bad. it was a CNC machine place. It was right outside of Philadelphia. It was, it was the kind of company where the owners literally invested millions of dollars into a granite floor for the workroom, which if you don't know much about CNC machines, there's a lot of oils and stuff right. that happen. There's a lot of stuff that's happening. And it, it is literally... A workplace hazard. Say, does that make it really slippery if the floors yeah, are granite? <laughs> exactly. They had these like terracotta or whatever yeah. it was, like really expensive marble, over a million dollars. Of, like then invested like another half a million dollars to put like a helicopter pad, and all the while this the machinists that were working there were one of the least paid machinists in the area. No surprise. And that's just like a very small glimmer into the whole culture of the company. Well, good thing I never need one of these machines that, yeah. that I know of, because yeah. I don't want to buy one now. But it, I mean, it sounds like from Chow's <laughs> experience, and it, it is, it's a very male dominated, of course. And skilled laborers, especially in America, is very white dominated area. And I can only imagine from the workplace scenarios that I've seen, what Chow went through, but luckily it sounds like she found a place yes. that is not discriminatory. Like, so like you're just, they're just Asian people in the building and they're your family now. Mind you, I work in my family's business, so in all likelihood the Asian people in my business are my family, but that is different. Like I've been in other places, like other like businesses or around and they're like, oh, I think your sister's in the other room. And I'm like, my sister's not here. Yeah, but like- Aren't you together? Like, no. Right, but like what? how annoyed do normal people get when people are like, oh, I went to so-and-so college, and people are like, oh, did you know so-and-so? And you're like, no. there was 30,000 people. Do Literally. And people get annoyed at that. 
And now add in. I was just asking a question. Right. Now add in this like microaggression that has to do with race that we face on all the right. time. And it's not just annoying. Right. It's downright offensive. Right. Yeah. Right. Like I can't walk through a place, any place, and not have you assume that because I'm Asian, I know every other Asian person there or that they are somehow related to me. Like, do you know how many Asian people are in the world? How many there are? It, it's It's baffling that people think that, but then don't realize like, oh yeah, I guess that is kind of probably annoying and offensive to you. Because back off that. I don't think people realize that that thought is what then is like the beginning of like where the discrimination happens. Right. A lot of people ask me and my business partner who was who's also Asian, male, and they would ask us if we were brothers. And that's annoying in itself because it's like, look, just like you said, not all Asian people are related. Right. But then the step above, or I guess technically below that, is when then people would then get us confused. Yeah. And we... Yeah. Other than being Asian and male, look nothing, nothing alike. alike. You know, you one, I'm like, alike. just the fact that I'm like covered in tattoos and he doesn't have a single one, right. or the fact that I'm like seven inches taller. Right. But, you know, because we're not looked at as human first, it's just right. Asian presenting first. Right. It's just, you know, it gets, yeah, the program is We're not up. all the same. Yeah. Fuckers. Anyway, Chow, thank you so much for writing that in. Um, and we're so happy that you're in a better place. Uh, Sounds mentally and and uh, as far as employment goes, so we're really happy for you. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you're also getting paid well. Yes, because CNC machinists are a dying breed. Oh really? Yes, oh. skill trades in general. Oh yeah, I yeah. bet that. That's yeah. why I'm like a huge proponent of like not everyone has to go to college. It's not for no. everyone. We need plumbers and we need technicians and we need yeah. people to fix our air conditioning. Welders. And, yeah, and for like, sure. Yeah, there are people and they make great money. Yeah, I yeah. know a guy who does like. I don't even know, electric wire things in the ground and whatever. Yeah. He has a beautiful home. And I'm yeah. like, why didn't I get into that? Yeah. I don't know the first thing about that. I don't even know how to, how to describe it. Yeah, like fiber optics. <laughs> I know someone who does like fiber optics. He works on like, <laughs> on like on like 600 feet, like those like radio towers. Oh, he right. climbs those and See? I'm like, oh my God, dude. He makes great money. Cause like, who can do that? That's I can't awesome. do it. Uh, our next story comes from Becky. I won't give her her last name, uh, just in case. But Hello. Her, her Instagrams are oh, rramers79 and Beck, and Beckles20 on TikTok. And we'll have those, you know, up here as well. Beckles, that's so cute. Like freckles. Hello, I have been enjoying your podcast so much. Thank you. I have a workplace story that still makes me furious when I think about it. Like my face is hot right now. <laughs> I know how you Relatable. feel, Beckles. <laughs> a little background. My mom is Korean. Oh, that's why, yeah. And my dad is Caucasian. I'm a NICU nurse. When I was in nursing school, I was doing my ER clinical at a heart hospital in Indianapolis, Indiana. I was sitting with my preceptor when we overhear a conversation between two other nurses. A white lady was talking shit about Koreans. Every single stereotype could that could come out of a person's mouth about Koreans just spewed from her nasty mouth. I like how you talk, Becky. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway. Very descriptive. <laughs> she talked about how her diabetic, diabetic friend was visiting her son in Korea. Her friend's blood sugar was low and couldn't believe no one could understand candy or any bit of English. Like you're in another fucking country. <laughs> you, don't, you don't learn any basic words, especially as a diabetic. Oh my God, those were the literal thoughts I was just Yeah, thinking. literally. <laughs> I also guaranteed someone spoke English, but refused to talk to her, her friend, because she was being as disrespectful as this lady. Uh, I would have, I, I would have refused to speak to them too. She talked about how disgusting the food is, and am I reading the sentence right? And that the Korean women get so ugly when they get old, as opposed to getting ugly when you're thirty. <laughs> right, and I mean we can talk about other ethnicities and how they age, but anyway. <laughs> or don't age. 
This prompted my preceptor to turn around and very sternly state that I'm Korean. You would think that she would have felt bad and would have apologized, right? No. Motherfucker point blank asked me if I'd eaten dog. Doubling down. Then asked how I got so tall. Oh. I get that all the time too. Seems easy. I was so shocked. I couldn't even think of anything to say. My preceptor apologized profusely. Being a student, I didn't want to get in trouble, but I couldn't get the image of this white racist woman caring for my mother or any other Asian person out of my head. I wrote to the hospital and explained what had happened. Crickets. <laughs> no one responded. I would, I would never work for this hospital. This is the sh shit that proves that POC are treated differently in hospitals and don't get the same care as white people. I don't work at bedside anymore, but when I did, I tried to treat my patients and their families with respect, the respect that I'd want my mom to receive. Thank you for a great podcast. While some experiences are very similar, I still am learning a lot from you both and what it's like to be Asian in America. Also, fuck Jennifer. I'm assuming she means Jennifer Murphy and yes, fuck Jennifer Murphy. But anyway. To infinity. <laughs> Becky, this story, it like literally just sums up so many experiences that we've all had. I'm just sorry, I mean, to have had it in just rapid fire succession in one conversation is like. Yeah, and I feel like the perpetrator, the aggressor here is like very obviously one of those people who just projects their own insecurities. Of course. You know what I mean? Like you're picking on someone because they can speak multiple languages right. or because they can speak another language. Or the or idea that you go to a foreign country and should expect that people speak English, like you're not in an English speaking country. Why right. is that your expectation? Like it's literally the definition of entitlement. You, you have assholes. diabetes and you didn't even think right. to yourself, hey, in a case of an emergency, I should at least know what candy is. How to say candy, sugar, and the Korean word for diabetes. Yeah. Like maybe find that out and just have those locked in. You don't have to learn anything else. You know, you, you and, can figure everything else out. And whoever this bitch is, I'm gonna <laughs> let you know, candy in Korean isn't even that hard. <laughs> no. It's literally the word hada. <laughs> yeah, so do that. It's like, why, why is like the fact that you think that you should be able to go somewhere and have everybody else cater to your needs, even like, this is a health concern. Like my niece is one of those kids that has one of those, you know, peanut allergies that's like lethal. My sister doesn't go around expecting other people to cater to her. Like, no, we've taught her what she needs to do. My sister knows what to do. I know what to do in case there's an emergency because that's on us. Yeah. That's not on everybody else. And a hundred percent everyone knew those the word candy. Koreans know the word candy. The candy. That's, yeah. it, Kendi. Kendi. Yeah, that's it's it. It's also Korean, yeah. Yeah, nobody wanted to help your friend because she sounds like a fucking bitch. Yeah. Anyway. Uh and the getting, and the how did you get so tall part? We had this conversation yes. over the weekend. Yes, I get that a lot. Yeah. I'm and like 5'7", almost 5'8". Which is tall for tall, an Asian For a woman. A woman, you're right. Yeah, it's beyond the average, yeah, yeah, for a woman in general. I'm six foot one, which also is tall for just men in general. Right. Um, Particularly Asian men. Yeah, and I growing up, I used to get asked all the time if I was half white. Mm -hmm, me too. And for the longest, for like a couple of years, I was like, what, that's so weird. And it maybe was like the fourth, fifth, sixth time that I started to be like, wait a second. And I started asking people, hey, did you ask me if I'm half white because I'm so tall? And they were like, it's just, you're so tall. And I was like. Mm, mm, yeah, mm -hmm. I know, I know. I, I think we walked into the that room of Asian people and even they were just kind of like, wait, <laughs> it's really tall. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, we okay, we're not like, we're not like 
abnormally tall. I'm not like seven foot six. Like no. then I'd be like, yeah, I get that. Yeah. That's, you know, yeah, it's a very interesting topic, but no. Um, and then the double down of like, oh, you know, you're you Korean, you eat dog. Fuck you. Fuck you so hard. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and I don't want to keep using, <clears throat> we don't want to keep using the bread reference, you know, that you get into sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, inbred, but like it's the same correlation. You know what I mean? Like, imagine taking the worst stereotypes of someone right. and just bringing that into conversation every time every you time. meet somebody. Like, I can't just introduce myself and not have the first few questions be like, "Oh, you're Korean? Do you eat dog?" I mean, no. Um, I can give you a list of the things that I do eat. You want that? Like, what the fuck kind of question is that? Like, why? Okay, and let's let's just say, which I have not, but let's say I did. Let's say I do eat dog. Now what? What, where's the conversation gonna go from there? Do you wanna tell me how horrible it is that I eat an animal, even though you eat chicken and fish and beef and whatever, but you wanna, you know, cause you consider that, what, undesirable or it's a pet or like whatever, you wanna, do you wanna talk to me about that? I don't think you do. You just want to get, you just wanna stereotype me and you just want to confirm whatever bias it is you have against me. Right. That's it. And those are just cultural norms. Right. Of those animals that you mentioned, some of those are sacred animals in other countries. Right. And those people are exactly appalled that we eat right. them. Right. Well, like if you go to India, right? I don't, do people they say like, "Oh my God, you eat cows? That's right. that's horrible." It's literally their sacred animals. <laughs> right. But you like know. they they will like a cow will sit on your car and they'll they can't even <laughs> get mad about it because they're like, "Oh my God, our car's been blessed." You know what I mean? Right. So it's just it's all. Well, and also that's that's the through line, right? I am entitled. So you need to speak my language. I'm going to make fun of your food. You have to do what I. You know what I mean? It's like. I don't know. I think that's that. I think that's the the overarching theme of these these uh, yeah not entries. To, not to mention the just the crazy. It just blows my mind. I mean, we we all know the statistics that black patient black oh, women I, are turned away most often. You know, telling them that they're making things up, and this stuff really brings it to light because it's clearly. I can't think of the word, but it's like clearly some sort of discriminatory of bias. It's a bias. bias. You know what I mean? It's a very negative mm -hmm. bias stereotype that they have against these people. Right. And it's it's fucked up because oh. you're literally in a job where you took an oath to help better people. But the right. problem is in their minds, they don't view some of us as right. people. Right. Whenever my dad um, has like doctor's appointments or my mom has doctor's appointments, one of me or my sisters will go with them and usually like advocate for them, even though my parents speak English, just to make sure right. that these kinds of situations don't happen. And a lot of times my parents, they don't have it on their radar like we do, and they don't catch that they're being ignored or catch they're being dismissed um, about their concerns. And I will say it's usually less me, it's more my younger sister, who's definitely more of like a fighter, if you could even imagine. <laughs> who is like, no, you're not hearing him. That's not what he's saying. He's saying it very clearly to you and why you're not listening is completely beyond me. And I'm like, oh, you're in trouble now. Yeah, but you need people like that in your <laughs> you corner do. because those people are gonna be on their guard now right. because they're like, oh shit, this isn't one of those, right. this isn't one of those Asians where right. we can just get away with it. It's fucking steamrolled. Right. Um, you know, when my sisters, well, my younger sister and I, we were both pregnant at the same time, we decided to be each other's doulas. Um, which is just somebody who oh, like helps aid in yeah. you know the birth. And um, since I did that with her, I had actually doulaed for I think four of my friends. Oh my God. I know I love, it's gonna be really a weird thing for me to say, but I love pregnant women and I love birth and I love, I think it was so, so amazing. It's like the most ex amazing experience of my life. Well, maybe I'll talk about that 
at some point. It just seems um, like a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure, but I wasn't alone. I just I just helped. I didn't like oh. catch the baby or anything. Oh, no, no, right, I'm right, just right. there to like support the mom and. Clearly, I've never <laughs> been through any of that, so I don't know. Um, yeah. And one of my friends, uh, her husband is black, and I could even tell when we were in the hospital that he was not being treated, or I could tell like they were not really listening to him. And so it's his white wife, her Korean doula, and her black husband. Mm -hmm. And I was like, listen, we, I'm gonna step in. I'm gonna advocate. Like this, this is not just advocacy for the pregnant mother. This is advocacy for the whole family. And that includes the father right now. And you are not listening to him because right. he's advocating for his wife and you're right. not taking this seriously. These are the things that, you know, you guys need to hear also. And so, I mean, I can only imagine, I mean, the, the infant mortality and the maternal mortality rates among black women who give birth is astonishing and in this country this developed country i don't know the statistic i'm sure you can find it um but it's way too high right. it is way way too high and it's because black women don't get listened to the same way right. they really don't and even i as an asian woman i know i get listened to differently because of an asian woman and even that is not in the, the, at the not same level as white yeah. women you know mm -hmm. so it's not comparable it's it's incredibly frustrating but you know Hopefully there are more nurses that's like why we our have, dear Beckles. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> why we have these conversations with the hopes that we can make a difference right. at some point, you know, right. even if it's just one person to help open their eyes, you know? Mm -hmm. This one, next one, is from someone uh, who goes by the name Tossit Terry, at Tossit Terry. Which we thought was Tossitary. Yeah. <laughs> Tossit yeah. Terry, I like it. Um, so they write, hi, Sujia and Ed. My name is Tossiteri, first time writer, long time follower. Thank you. Thank you. First of all, I'd like to say how appreciative I am for all that you do. I do like to say, I would like to say more on this topic, but I don't want the listeners at home to think I'm sucking up. So I'll leave it at that for now. <laughs> no one would think that. No. As I'm sure is the common thread within the Asian community, I was a subject of a lot of stereotyping and quote unquote jokes growing up. I participated in it too, up to a point. So none of this is new or foreign to me. And if you asked me even five years ago, if I'd ever experienced any kind of discrimination in the workplace, I'd probably have said no, just because it was so normal to me. In more recent years, I've become more aware of how these jokes can be harmful. And the story I'd like to share is one that still to this day gets my blood boiling. There's a lot of boiling blood on this episode today. <laughs> yep. This is a story about an exchange I had in 2021 with the vice president of a manufacturing company that I previously worked for. I work in human resources, parentheses, please don't hold that against me. I know a lot of people think of HR and roll their eyes, but it's evolving from the quote, Toby from the office, I promise, and parentheses. And our office was an open concept setup where eight of us in the department would work in a shared space with our own desks, but the space itself was isolated from the rest of the plant for confidentiality needs. The VP, and other <clears throat> the VP and other executives would regularly come in and sit, chat, quote unquote, shoot the shit, etc. It was all a very familiar casual vibe, and that was something I treasured for a long time. In terms of demographics, it's a small town in Canada. The town itself is mostly white, but the entry-level employees are mostly people of color who would commute from neighboring cities. I myself am Chinese, and in our Department of Aid, I was one of three people of color, which I guess statistically doesn't sound too bad, but it still felt pretty isolated. So now that the context is set, here is the scene. The, the VP, myself, and a few other coworkers ranging from HR manager to HR associate are in the HR office, office having an open discussion about food. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. 
the topic of different kinds of meats come up. You know, the usual ones like chicken, pork, beef, and then move on to the less common ones in my area anyway, like bison, horse, alligator, etc. Then the VP laughingly says, I heard that the Chinese restaurant downtown serves cat and dog as their meat. He then went on to say that he knows the owners and makes these jokes with the owners all the time, blah, blah, blah. I let it pass for the moment because I am by no means the person's professional equal. And while he did not, while we did not have a rapport, I wasn't, while we did have a rapport, I wasn't feeling brave enough to address it in front of a group of people. That's totally fair. Oh, yeah, I was just holding my breath that whole time. I know. The day wraps up and the VP comes into the office as part of our regular afternoon rounds before he leaves for the day. And this time... It was just one other coworker and I in the office. I'd been thinking about it all day, so I felt a little more confident in saying something. I started the conversation. I'll be her, you be the VP. Hey, can I talk to you about something you said earlier? Yes, of course, what's up? Would you agree that the joke you made earlier perpetuates a negative stereotype towards Chinese people? Yes, but... And to be honest, not much else was significant enough for me to register as, imp as important detail from that point. After a bit of back and forth, he got increasingly frustrated and got louder and louder and then eventually left. One thing that I did take particular note of was his use of the stereo stereotypical line. Okay, fine. I just won't make jokes like that around you anymore. Way to solve a problem. Things from here got progressively worse. Shocker. The VP owns a farm and there was talk of a group of us going to visit to see newborn lambs. Cute. The VP now felt uncomfortable with having me at his farm, although I wouldn't have gone anyway. But rather than simply confronting me, he expressed to my coworker, a good friend of mine, that he needed to cancel the visit altogether because of me. Whenever we were in the same room together, it was very tense, which made the familiar casual vibe that I really loved just disappear. Also, there was another situation where he made a joke referring to, referring to quote unquote, the short bus. Yep. To which I made a WTF face. Say it, what the fuck face. And then he later told the HR manager that he felt like I was targeting him. Oh, are you the, are you the victim? Okay. And then there's a smiley face. <laughs> there were other things, of course. There were other things. Of course there were. But those are the ones that I just haven't been able to shake off because even though they were, quote, small, they were still so insidious, you know? And I know this isn't the most traumatizing situation to ever happen, but what really gets me worked up about this is that this is the VP of a company. You know, one of the people who are supposed to set the tone for the workplace culture, That's coming huge. to the HR office, you know, the place where you should be considered pretty safe, or at the very least where people are on their better behavior, to say these things and make these jokes. If he's saying that in the HR office, what is he saying outside on the floor to people who may be even less comfortable than I was to say anything about it? The VP was so close to retirement, so the general consensus was that there wasn't a need to do anything about it because he was on his way out anyway. But what about those people who might be harmed in the interim? What about his family, his community outside of his workplace? I'm happy to say that I did end up leaving that job less than a year later and the VP has since retired. I'm sure without having learned a single thing. Thanks for your time. I'm awkward, <laughs> goodbyes, hangs up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> That really I'm assuming your name is Terry. That's Terry, hilarious. That's hilarious. I'm also terrible with goodbyes. Hangs up phone. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, like, she's absolutely right. You're the fucking vice president. Like, we look to you to lead us and create the culture in this company. Right. And like, this the the restaurant dog joke thing. Like, enough. Enough. I mean, 
I didn't know five-year-olds could be VPs. That's crazy. <laughs> and then you're retiring soon at the age of seven? Yeah, that's some fucking retirement plan. Yeah, that's some that's pension crazy. they got at this company. Talk about Nepo, baby. Yeah, really. And it's like, why Why would he be comfortable doing that in front of HR? Like, these are the people who are supposed to take care of these things right. when these things happen, which means that obviously he was close to retirement, so he's probably so out of touch. But, like, that's no excuse. That is no excuse. It is your job to continually evolve, especially if you are a leader. And he just was completely uninterested in that. That's, it's so frustrating. Yeah, and also I, I wanna preface this, probably should have said this at the beginning, but anything that comes off like advice, this is just purely from our opinion and should not be taken as professional advice, even if we have professional experience. So right. I just Did wanna, I give advice? No, I'm just saying moving forward because oh, okay. I'm about to. Oh say some shit! Shit. I was yeah. like, oh no! Because I'm about to say some shit. <laughs> I was like, did I, did I? don't think I did. But I've also worked in HR long enough to know. Ah, yeah. Dis on disclaimers, yeah, Great. yeah. You know what I mean. But I myself have worked in HR, so the Toby from the office line is hilarious because <laughs> I'm the least HR person out there. But I'm also professional enough to know to be HR when I was in HR. Mm -hmm. But mostly I was a recruiter. So my last job that I worked for, um, just to cut just to get to the front part of it, I'm not naming that company. You can find it very easily who it was, but I'm not naming that company because I sued them on the way out. Oh, you did? I reached a settlement. I signed NDAs and oh. I don't remember how long they last for. I'm, I think like I'm teeter-tarring right on it, but yeah, no, I'm not giving that money back, so. No, what'd you yeah. sue them for? I mean, uh, discrimination. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Discrimination. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck so, them. So I, <laughs> totally understand what people are going through about the blood boiling part Yeah. because for me, that's not how I feel anymore because to be honest with you, when you sue a company, you know, when you leave or you, I've even heard some people suing them while they're still there, yeah. which is mind blowing to me. It's not awkward it, or it anything. Gets, yeah. <laughs> right. I've actually heard some people say it was okay. Really? I don't understand how, I don't. but for me, the last, I feel like a lot of people's blood boiled because it just was never resolved. And that was the last mm. feeling that they had about it. So it just remains. Whenever you think about it, that last feeling just comes right back up. For right. me, my last feeling regarding this whole situation was just exhaustion. Yeah. So for me, the anger's not there. Mm, okay, that's not a lie. Like, that's a lie. Yeah. I still get angry about it, but my blood doesn't boil because immediately I just get washed over with the fact that like it was exhausting. Right. And I didn't go to court or anything. We ended up settling, but just having the whole thing looming over my head because it took like a year and a half. Right. It was a really long time mm. to constantly be thinking about it. Of course. Wondering what's going to happen, you know, all of that stuff and trying to move forward. So, yeah, no, I totally get it. And also working from someone who worked in HR, this is very typical. I bet. The higher ups, HR being inappropriate, it's very clear it's it's very similar across the board the last company that i worked with you know we've had the head of the hr go up to a black subordinate go oh my god your hair no touch 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 mm -mm. and she was a minority asian hispanic woman of color mm. going up to a black woman <sighs> and without permission touching her hair in front of a the whole department. God, that's so, it's so inappropriate. I've heard in HR so reps in interviews asking people what they do on Sundays, and then after the interview say, yeah, because we don't want anyone who like goes to church every weekend, because then that means that 
they're not loyal to the company. They have other priorities. What? Yeah. <laughs> HR fucking reps. Wow. That's Talking crazy. with the hiring manager who was like the director. Yeah. That's so, crazy. Mm -hmm. um, back to the the black women and their hair. Um, I am an employer. You know, we, I, we own our own business. And there was this woman, Rachel, who worked for me like 10 years ago. And she actually just recently started working for me again. Uh, she moved and then came back. She's wonderful. But she's this, she's this black woman. And I remember on her um, second interview, I had hired her. And she's like, okay, well, do I have any restrictions on my hair? And I was like, what? What? And she's like, are there any ways that I'm not allowed to wear my hair here? And I was like, no, of course not. I would never restrict. Well, I was like, can you talk to me a little bit more about that? Like, why would you ask me that question? She's like, because I've had jobs where I have to wear my hair a certain way or I'm not allowed to wear my hair other ways. And I was like, not black. You're not allowed not, to wear it. Yes. So she's yeah. like, you know, they told me that I couldn't have, uh, I couldn't wear my hair in my in an Afro. And they told me I couldn't wear my hair in certain braids were okay, but other braids were not. Cornrows were not okay, but like the other braids were okay. Um, and I was like, are you serious? And she's like, she's like, yeah, that's the only reason I'm asking you is because I know that there have been a lot of times where I can't do that. So I was like, I'm not telling you to do this, but please wear your hair in an Afro. Like, yeah. please wear your hair in cornrows. Whatever corn you, want, the Whatever most. you yeah. want, however you want. And she, when she came back, we had a discussion about that because I, I remember it so vividly because I was so caught off guard that that was one of her questions about like her attire. Cause it's like, you know, dressy casual, I would recommend wearing flats and blah, blah. And that's what I'm thinking what she's gonna ask me. And she's asking me about her hair. And we're talking about it. And she's like, yeah, you were one of maybe one of the few bosses I've ever had that didn't bring up the hair while she was telling me like what the dress code was. And I was like, that is fucked up. That is so, fu so fucked. I couldn't even believe that she was telling me that. And this was like 10 years ago. And she's like, I've worked at other places since. It's not better. And I was like, wow. That's so infuriating to me. That's crazy. That reminds me of back in Philly when I used to live there about 10 years ago, there were bars that had dress codes. <clears throat> it was very obvious. The dress codes were no flat brim hats, not to wear sneakers. No what kind of hats? Flat brim hats. Ah, uh, okay. Or sneakers, you know? So it was like all urban wear. Mm -hmm. And with a little bit of privilege that I had, I knowing the owners of some of these establishments, I forced my way in sure. wearing these things to kind of just be like, did I accomplish anything? I don't know. They right. don't have those dress codes anymore. So maybe over the period of time, right. but it was just to try to help with that stigma of just like, I don't understand what you're trying to do. Yeah, no, I understand exactly what you're no, trying I, to I mean, do. I mean, I do. And I, do. Uh, I don't subscribe to that. Right. I don't, I don't agree with that. Yeah. And I've had um, other employees, you know, black employees who have been wearing, like they wear, she wore, um, these earrings that were just gigantic, but it was just, it was the continent of Africa. It had like African flag colors or one particular, these are their Ethiopian flag colors. And she's like, are these okay? And I was like, the That's fact sad. that they're so yeah. conscious of it and they're so hyper aware of like what they're wearing and how people are perceiving them. It like, it really like, it broke my heart. And I was like, that's something that I will never have to, I've never had to think about. I've never had to think about like what my hair looks like when I go into work. My hair always just looks like this and it's so widely accepted. But like, if I were to wear my hair in its natural form, this is fine. But for them, it's not. And that's, I to have to work under those conditions, yeah. to have to be somebody's subordinate mm -hmm. under those conditions, it's gotta be so fucking stressful. Right. 
And I don't know about you, maybe not so much because you haven't been in a corporate situation, but as an Asian male, um, and not that it's anywhere similar in context wise, but I've had white people come up and just touch my hair. Oh yeah, well, I have that too. But. Oh my God, it's so silky. Oh my God, it's <laughs> like, what? Oh my God, is it hard? Is it not? Like, and even then it's like, please don't. Why are you touching yeah, me? Yeah, like I'm not a dog, I'm not Gross. an animal. You know what I mean? And even animals. You don't just go up and touch them either. Oh, bite your hand off and you, yeah, you deserve it. Right, because it's, <laughs> Maybe we should start doing that. <laughs> right, it's just ridiculous. So it's just, mm, No, I've, I've had people do that to me. Um, a lot, actually. They've touched my skin, like my face skin. Oh, your skin, it's like, you're like a porcelain doll. No, I'm actually a human being that's going to break your fucking finger if you touch mm. me again. Or they say, oh my God, Asian women, they're so lucky. They have the best hair. I'm like, first of all, my hair takes me forever because I actually have curly hair. And they're like, no, you don't. I'm like, okay, I'm now I'm lying. Like, stop. <laughs> yes, my hair is actually kind of curly and I have to wash it and condition it and blow dry it and then flat iron it. And they're like, really? I thought all, I'm like, yeah, well maybe that's the problem is that you think things that are inaccurate. So yeah. start there yeah. and, and do less of the touching. So that's, that's gonna get your fucking hand broke. Yeah, it's the same thing you tell your kids. Not Keep, your stuff. Yeah. Be respectful. Keep your hands to, to yourself. yourself. <laughs> that's not, that shouldn't be something I have to tell a grown adult. I mean, I had it happen not even two weeks ago. Oh. Oh my God, your bob, your hair is so silky. Like all the time, touch touching me. I was like, no, <laughs> don't. <laughs> I'm not on a catch not, these hands. Not a touching day. Yeah, no, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's literally mind blowing. And what I was thinking about this morning before getting ready was, while I was reading through some ignorant comments, and while my fingers decided that they were just going to reply, even though I was like, "Don't do it, don't do, do it." it. I'm no. doing it. Yeah, but it got me thinking about how social media kind of made people forget that some of them kept quiet in school because they weren't smart. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like people forget that getting swept up in this freedom of speech thing, which yes, obviously is a very important thing, sure. but because their lack of remembrance in education, freedom of speech applies to the government. Right. It applies to the government. It doesn't right. mean that you can just go around saying whatever the fuck you want, no matter, regardless of how not intellectual it sounds. Right. And that hasn't, isn't just prevalent in social media. It has started Everywhere. leaking into real life, which mm -hmm. includes the workplace. Right. Right, and that's why for me, when people say it's just a joke, you know, it's just a joke, what's the big deal? It's like, because these jokes, the accents, all of these things start to leak into other areas of the world that will actually start impacting people in ways that it's not a joke anymore. Right. Having your vice president tell you, you know, that you eat dog or, you know, whatever, like these things all then, it all evolves into something else. Yeah. You eating dog, you being this, you being that has now evolved into you are less of a human to me. This has evolved now into you should get paid less, evolves into you should not get your promotion. You are not as human as these other humans. Right. That's why these things are so insidious. And when people say like, it's not a big deal, you're making a big deal. I'm trying to stop it before it becomes a big deal because right. it will. And that's why like hearing these jokes and people using these fake Asian accents, it's like these little dehumanizing things, they don't, amount to much one at a time, but just it keeps happening and they accumulate. Like, why is that so hard for people to understand? Right. 
I mean, it was such a simple concept. It was even written in a historical book called the fucking Bible that all of these fucking Trump, that these people like to Maybe fucking Maybe you fucking heard of it. But you, you haven't read it, but right. you've heard of it. But I mean, even in the Bible, the idea that if you have a thought, you've already committed the sin. And it didn't necessarily mean that like, oh, having a thought is the same thing as carrying it out. It was the idea, it was the most basic way to tell people back in the day that once you start having the thought, if you don't stop it, it will snowball into action at right. some point. Right. It's that easy of a concept that it was literally written thousands of years ago. Yes. Well, and you know, again, they just kind of pick and choose the, the things that they want, but, right. but that's the whole point. Privilege. Right. I want to just, I want these parts, the parts that serve whatever agenda I have, not the actual right. parts about being a good person. Right, which <laughs> then clearly that. goes into this story as well, because it's like you could be in HR, but and you know what's right and wrong, but for some reason you can pick and choose who right. it's okay to do it right. and who when it's not okay to do it. I, I, the, you know what I mean? Like, And the main reason I ended up leaving that company mm -hmm. was because one of the major stories I had was, so my last name is Choi, I don't hide that. But a lot of people, even as a kid, when leaving voicemails on her machine, hi, we're looking for so-and-so chow. Mm. And ever since I was young, I've always said that's the most racist thing ever because non, never in the English language does the letters O and I next to each other make an ow sound. Mm -mm, ever. Like even when you misspell boy, boy, choice. Right. Like it's always an oi sound, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The fact that you see that name and you associate it to being Asian, and you just assume the words ching, chang, chung comes out, which started out as what? Oh, it's just no, a joke. Right. And now look how it right. like literally seeps in through your whole body. So as a recruiter, you talk to people all day. Mm -hmm. Now you're calling candidates, trying to get people to get hired or interview. And so I go to my supervisor, my manager, and I tell him this story about how someone called me Mr. Chow because it was fresh on my mind. I had a meeting with him that day. And I tell him that exactly like I told you, like, you know, never in the English language does the right. OI make an ow sound. He thought it was hilarious. It sounds great. Even though my demeanor, the whole meeting was clearly upset. Right. And uh, like, it wasn't okay. Yeah. I was very perturbed at yeah. the very nicest way Disgruntled. to say Disgruntled. Right. He thought it was hilarious. So then he starts calling me Mr. Chad. No. No, he didn't. He starts calling me Mr. Chow in the office Shut loudly. And this motherfucker was loud. He had a booming voice. And like, I have a booming voice. Yeah. This motherfucker <gasps> had a booming voice. You're fucking kidding Calls me. Calls me Mr. Chow. I'm somewhat new at this company. It is, I would want to say it's a Fortune 500 company. It's really sought after company that people want to work for. And I'm trying to start a career there. So I just let it go. And then... A friend of mine who's a person of color, she joking, I played a prank on her. She, as a prank back because she had access to it, made me a name card that said Mr. Chow. <laughs> Which with her and I, funny because, you know, we're commiserating on right. our share. Well, also the power dynamic is different. Exactly, there is no power dynamic. Right. We're equals. Right. In position, in status, in, in, in the world. Comparable pay, right. all those things are probably pretty All similar. of those things, so totally different. I leave it up for a day or two, but he keeps calling me Mr. Chow. And because she made it, I think he validated in his mind mm. that it was okay, forgetting that he's my superior, he's a white man, and we're in HR. Yeah, right, right. This name tag, Mr. Chow, 
I still hold on to it to this day, not because I want to be angry, but because I want to remind myself that we're so far away from where we need to be. And that's just like the tip of the iceberg. What really broke the camel's back was when um, a early 20-something white girl who was like really new to the industry of recruiting got promotions over me twice. No. And I, at that point, was a seven-year fucking veteran. She had less than one fucking year in the no. industry and was getting, and then when I made hubbubs about it, and then uh, someone said something to me that was racially charged, who was an HR representative, I took a leave of absence because I was like mentally, yeah. I was like, I can't, I was like, yeah. I can't be here. I was like, I can't even work because I get keep getting so angry and triggered working mm -hmm. with these people. And then when I come back, um, they did something illegal. They eliminated my position, made me interview for the roles. They actually eliminated my position by saying that there was a reorg in our department. So they did something illegal by using a loophole. Wow. Made me interview for the roles that were open. And then guess what? Didn't get them while these under, you know, experienced people were getting them over me. And that's when I was like, you know what? You know what? I'm going to a lawyer. Mm, you're not going to pay me in the conventional way, but you're going to pay me. Yeah, but you are going to pay. You're going to fucking pay yeah. me. And, and that's the thing is if, if you are, and we do have one more story left, but just, this is what I mean when I say advice that's not really advice, but it's like, you know. I don't think you're liable for that anyway. <laughs> unofficial advice. If you feel like stuff is happening, you have, before you start making the complaints and all that stuff, you have to start getting the evidence as mm. soon as you can. Start printing out and Paper sending, trail. forwarding yourself all the emails. Start writing down in a journal, date, time, person, exact comments, verbatim, all that stuff. And even in some of the interviews that I had to re-interview for, I secretly recorded those, which in California is technically not usable in court. Right. I don't know if it's like technically illegal, illegal, but you can't, it's not admissible in court. I don't think it's, I don't think it's illegal, but you, yeah. But you can't, it's not admissible in court, but I use that to my leverage to be like, yeah, I can't use this in court, but, but I can use blast it. it out all over social yeah. media. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, so we, it was, ex it was exhausting, but that was the thing. I had enough evidence to the point where I was able to take it to a lawyer. And, you know, sometimes when you do these things, even though you know you're doing the right thing, there will be backlash. Of Some of the friends that I thought were friends, mm -hmm. don't talk to them anymore. Even the one friend that was a great friend of ours, because that person was also going through some other stuff personally, and I asked them to kind of be my witness just so I can secure the lawyer. Because mm -hmm. the lawyer was like, I want to believe you, but he's like, I get a lot of these calls all the time, so I just need someone to back you up so that I know yeah. that you're not just like chasing and like, right. you know. Just trying to get paid. Yeah. Right. So like, even that fell apart. Luckily, you know, we're friends again. We, you know, we came back, we squashed everything yeah. and yeah, reconnected, but it's just, there's a lot of stress, drama, of and you're in, you have to prepare yourself for a war. Of course. That's essentially what it is. Right. Well, and also fighting for something like that is is uphill. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's not usually like, oh, well, this will be an open and shut thing. It's like it's also like, well, maybe he just perceived it that way. That was not my intention. That was never, you know. Yeah. And like the company can try that. to do whatever they want. I literally went to them. I was like, there is one Asian person in this whole organization that is in a manage like a director role. You want to know what department? Hmm. What department? Accounting. Yeah, I could have guessed that one. 
They'll only let us go so far in the yeah. industries they want us to, right? So you you want to say you guys aren't racist and right. I'm just being whatever. This is a company that's also in LA. There was like, I remember like two or three Latino people, Latin, you know, Latino, mm -hmm. pe Latin people. And uh, there was like maybe six Asian people. We live in Los right. Angeles. Right. Those two demographics alone are more than half of the fucking population. Right. Is that right? Generally, somewhere right. around more than yeah, half yeah, of the yeah. population. You know what I mean? It's right. So it should be, how many people work there total? Oh, there was like, I want to say at least like, 1500 to 2000. Oh, see, I didn't know what like the population yeah, yeah, density yeah. of the company was. Wow. So like 10 people of color? Yeah, at least in the headquarters office, right, right, right. Wow. In the the more labor leg of the company, you know, um there was definitely more color there. I was going to say that probably flip flops. But you know, that's different. That's how that is, right? You know? Of course. You're you're good enough to do the legwork for us, but Right. Do not, the hard stuff. I don't right. like bending down. But not good <laughs> enough to like have the good corporate jobs. Right, yeah, yeah. right. So frustrating. Well, tell it Terry. Tell it Terry? Is that what it was? Toss, toss it, Terry. it Terry. Toss it Terry. Told it Terry. Yeah. <laughs> Terry tells him to toss it. <laughs> Thanks, Terry, for the, for your story. Um, that was very um, fucking annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. And we're point. really sorry. We are really sorry. Um, okay. Our last one comes from Steve, Steve, who is, I believe, Chinese American? Yes. Okay. Hey, guys. I was working as a vault teller for a payday loan company in 2007. My mom had made me shish kebabs for lunch, which I took to my job. I'd offered my painfully Caucasian coworker <laughs> some, and the woman had all the audacity to say, there isn't any dog in this, is there? I responded, no, but you know that's really offensive, right? You, you know I don't mean anything by that. Uh-huh, I never ended up reporting her because I was a little fearful of retaliation, thanks. Short and sweet, Steve, but uh, we totally know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, this is what, this third time now the dog has come up in conversation? I've and had it, I've, yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, if you don't talk about sinophobia, like, it's just, it's always the go-to. It's always the go-to. People say that to me completely out of the blue for no reason. Yeah. I could be talking about anything. Yeah. I could be talking like, oh, I went to take my car to go get an oil change. Were you on your way to go get a dog sandwich? Yeah, no, yeah. Or, I wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> or even videos where I'm like feeding my dog snacks. Oh, so he's a cannibal now. I made a video where I was like, oh, my dog is Korean because I feed him Korean foods as a joke. Comments, literally, I mean, clearly from children because, you know, not No, original. it's not always clearly. Oh, so he's Korean, that means he's a cannibal? Right. What? Right. Do you know that I, I have two dogs. Kiwi and Jilly will post a picture here because they're so good. They're adorable. So they're so adorable. And I love them so much. And they should absolutely have a starring role in my social media. But I don't show them because if I show my dogs, people will say the craziest, most fucked up shit to me. I did a video where I was just giving them treats. I give my dogs cucumbers and they're like, give them something fattier so they can bulk up before you eat them. And I'm like, <laughs> it like, it made me so angry, like I had tears in my eyes, first of all, because like, that's so fucking racist, but the thought of killing and eating my dogs like makes me like sick to my stomach. Like yeah. it's like eating somebody that's in my family. And I'm like, 
it made me so upset. So I barely show them, even though they're the most wonderful animals oh, yeah. in the world. Fuck those people. Fuck those fucking people. Yeah. But like hearing people repeatedly say that, like, oh, is that your dinner? Or like, I've tried to be funny about it. Like they did a comment like, oh, you know, she's gonna eat her dogs. And I took made a video of like me trying to put <laughs> Huey's giant head in between a hamburger bun. <laughs> she's like, oh yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I can take a bite, it's too big. But he ate half of the bun before I could take the video. <laughs> he like snatched out of my hand right. and ate it. But, I was like, I shouldn't have that fear to be able to like express and share the joys right. of my life because of these kinds of things. But you know, that's that's like the go-to. And I feel like if this episode proved anything, it showed that it showed two things at the very least. One, you're not original. No. Like this is literally the most juvenile, unintelligent thing that you could ever say. But two, based off of every Asian person's reaction, it is clearly not a joke. No. It is clearly fucking offensive as as much as me going up to every white person being like, oh, is your mom also your sister? Right. Is she also your wife? Is she your sister wife? Like, imagine if every time someone greeted you, right. they said that. And every time they're like, oh, I'm clearly just joking. It's not a joke. You would well, get annoyed, you would get offended, and you would punch them. And the thing, too, is that they don't not know that we get offended by it. So you're not joking. You're actually trying to offend me. You're actually trying to incite some kind of negative emotion from me. You're not trying to get me to laugh with you. You're trying to uh, let me allow you to laugh at me. Right. There's a big fucking difference. You want me to give you permission to laugh at me. No, you I mean, don't get it. We talk about racism. We bring up the power dynamic a lot because it, you need to understand it from this perspective. You're saying stuff like that to set the precedent that you see us not as equals than you. Right. And those comments literally are said clearly to make it seem like you're above us. Right. And that's where the racism comes in because it's right. about the power dynamic and saying and doing things that magnifies the fact right. that you have more privilege than us or that you don't view us as equals. Right. And that's racism. That's why the, the accent thing, people don't understand why we get so upset when people do the Asian accent, right? Okay, who has an Asian accent? Asian people who've moved to English speaking countries and have accents and broken English. So when you're making fun of them, you're telling them essentially, I'm superior to you because I don't have an accent because I have a firm grasp of the English language like you don't. And you are now fodder for my, you know, humor because you're obviously, you know, intellectually inferior to me. Right. And it's like, well, the truth of the matter is this person, I'm sure, speaks their native tongue perfectly and also speaks English, maybe not perfectly, but better than you could ever speak their native their tongue. Mm -hmm. So why don't you shut the fuck up, you fucking, sorry, I'm getting a little. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you. in mind right now, but that's why the accent is offensive. You're trying to tell yeah. me that I don't, I'm not as good as you. I'm not performing this act as well as you, therefore I am inferior, when the reality is, I actually know twice as much as you, maybe three times as much as you. Some people, five, six, seven languages speak with an accent. It's like, how many languages do you speak? Right. Jennifer Murphy, sorry. Barely speak one. Correctly. I mean, coherently. Right. <laughs> you know, so it's like, that's why the accent is so offensive. It is offensive and it has greater effects than people know. I mean, speaking for myself mm -hmm. personally, I was so hyper aware of the accent thing that I used to yell at my mom. Mm. because I was scared because she didn't have that great of an English, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? It was a bit of a struggle for her. And every time she made a mistake, 
I would literally make her feel stupid. I would yell at her. I would berate her in public. I would literally be like, just stop, just stop. And I would talk mm. for her. And to this day, I made my mom feel so insecure about it that she refuses to speak in English around me. Oh, yeah, that's so sad. Yeah, and now as like, now as an adult, I feel so horrible. I'm sorry, Ed. I know that feeling. And it, and it like, as much as it was my fault, it wasn't my fault. I was just a kid trying to survive. And I didn't realize that I was like affecting my mom and fucking her up so much, you know? You couldn't have known. And I've heard her speak English. Yes, she has an accent. Yes, it's broken. Sometimes she fucks up the order a little bit, but people clearly understand her. But it was our own insecurities yeah. that made us feel that and way. She refuses to speak it around me because of me. I know that feeling. I've, I've worked with my parents, um, like I've said, my whole life. And there have been, I, I, I go through this like kind of back and forth where I'm like so, so like defensive of my parents. And like people have been like, you know, is there somebody else I can speak to, somebody that speaks English? And I'm like, they fucking speak English. They speak English. And you know full well that they speak English. And then there are other times where I'm listening to my mom talk and I had that exact same reaction to you. Stop, mom, please, I'll do it. Just let me talk to her. What she's trying to say is this. And like, I would, you know, so it was like the opposite end of the spectrum because there was shame attached to it. Yeah. There was this feeling of like, you know, do people think that we're stupid because my mom isn't speaking perfect English? And so those things, I mean, that is fucking traumatizing. Like, look at us right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Tell me like, that's not trauma. I can't stop crying. I know. I'm like telling myself, I'm like, stop crying. But you I could just, cry, I keep just... crying. Cause that, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And that is a completely valid feeling. And those feelings are things that so many of us carry around and the burden of those regrets, you know, and that feeling of like, why couldn't I just have been more compassionate to my parents right. and know that like they were doing their best and why can't other people see that too? Why can't other people see that these people are doing their fucking best and to just constantly have them feel like they're not good enough for doing their best when their best is more than enough is frustrating. Yeah, way and, more than enough. Oh. And sometimes like I wonder if, you know, it's a lot of insecurities that people project. Of course. You know, is it the insecurity that you only speak one language or the insecurity that maybe you know from historical context that none of this is yours anyway? Right, right, there's that. This country, everything is stolen, it was forced upon, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I don't know if it's just like that trickling of white guilt that gets projected in a negative way or if it's just, I wish it was. Hate. I don't I know. I wish it was this guilt. Cause at least with that, there'd be some like thoughtfulness about it. Cause I don't think that's what it is. I don't think white people who do that, who act this way. And when we talk about white people, please know we are not saying all white people are like this. We are, we are referring to those exact individuals who do these kinds of things. But when they do those, those commit these acts of, you know, micro and macro aggressions, it's not, I don't think it's out of guilt. I think it's just because they have been, they have been conditioned to believe that they really are superior. And any time, and, and because they are not in actual tangible ways, they have to find ways to project it onto us so that at least they can feel some semblance of power. Validate their beliefs, yeah. right? Oh, we're supposed to be superior. Uh, we're, we're the better race, but I don't really have a whole lot to show for it. So the only thing I can really do is, I don't know, make fun of people and make them feel bad about themselves right. so that they know that I know that I'm better. Cause I'm not actually. Right. 
and whatever better means. Or at the very least, they just have unchecked biases that they just, I guess it's in the word, never checked. Right. And then they have something going on in their day. Oh, yeah. And they decide because you haven't checked your bias about treating people, some of these people like people, you decide, oh, I'm having a bad day. I'll Let's just take it out on these not people. Who can people. I shit on? Right. Right. What can I shit on? Because they're not considered human. So. So, yes. Why make me cry today, Ed? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not I, ready for that. I was really not was, thinking that the fucking <laughs> workplace discrimination <laughs> episode was going to be the episode to get me to cry. I thought it was going to be the angry episode. You I, know what I mean? <laughs> I thought so too, but. Can I really distinguish those feelings sometimes? No. No. I think a lot of times that anger really channels itself into sadness, and sadness often for me channels itself into anger. So those those two emotions are yeah. very tightly wound together. It's, very tightly. It's grief. It's like the stages of right. grief. You know what I mean? Right. It's not always just about loss. You're grieving things that happen to you, right. injustices, and, and it's that thing, like emotions form and metamorphosize <laughs> into other emotions, you right. know? I'm having more emotions right now. Just, I was yeah. just literally just thinking about my that mom. And I was like, oh, okay. oh, well, here it comes again. I was like, oh, I'm going to have dinner with my mom tonight. And I'm like, I should apologize to her. <laughs> I should tell her how sorry I am for all those times where I was embarrassed because she didn't speak perfect English. And I was going to tell my dad the same thing. I was like, no, I'm just going to try to not do that. Yeah, just send them this clip. My mom would be like, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. Eat your taco and shut up. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I know that she probably has internalized a lot of that. And I don't know that she's ever really even reconciled like what that is, but, or maybe she has. Yeah. And she just doesn't, she just keeps it from me, you know? Yeah. I've, I think I've had, I've tried to have that conversation with my mom where I apologized to her and she accepted it. And she said she understood. Oh God, no, don't cry. But that's the part that breaks me is, is that like in her day-to-day, -day, the way she acts, it still traumatized her obviously because she still will not, she still defaults to me to have that conversation when I'm there. You right, know what I mean? Right. And it breaks my heart every time because it's just a constant reminder that I was so involved in my own survival that I forgot to include my mom yeah. in on it. But this is, again, and we'll say it probably every single episode, why we are doing what we're doing, right? right? And these little tiny steps forward that we take. And, and I think, you know, even just enlightening ourselves on the things that we feel and putting these things out there. And I, I can safely say that it's not just us. And when we put it out into the world, there are so many people who can really identify with it. And so then that way, maybe as we go forward, into our days, you know, we can find ways to do that less to others and maybe less to ourselves. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the, the important takeaway for me is like, yes, those things happened. Yes, I feel terrible about them. And yes, the thought of it makes me want to literally just throw myself on the ground and cry hysterically. But it's identifying and recognizing those things that will help me to not, you know, continue to perpetuate those things inside and outside of myself. Yeah. I think a lot of it is for us and hopefully there is a secondary, you know, thing where other people see it, they humanize right. us or they recognize the patterns in themselves so that right. they can not do My it greatest forward. hope, like as I sit here talking about this and thinking about who could be listening to this, like I know that there are young teenage kids who have immigrant parents who are going to have these feelings and these emotions and these resentments for their yeah. parents. And I hope that they can hear this and be like, well, maybe they're right. You know, my parents aren't stupid. They're not ignorant, you know, and, and I'm going to 
extend a little compassion to them. Yeah, it's, it was the same thing for us. We were taking what we were dealing with and projecting it onto the people around us. Right. And it's just as kids, the people around you are either your siblings right. or your parents. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it's easier to say your parents don't understand you and to take it out on them. And just like Susie said, they're just doing the best they can. Just like yeah, well, you're trying to, trying to do the best you can. You mm -hmm. just have to remember that you can survive better in a group. Right. Rely on each other. Right. Be there for each other. Mm -hmm. Be compassionate for each other. This is advice you can take. Yeah, that one <laughs> is professional advice. I love, I love a, a callback. Yeah. Full circles, <laughs> vicious or not. <laughs> wow, well, that episode was emotional. I wasn't expecting that, but... Um, Thank you to everybody for listening. I hope you guys uh, weren't driving because yeah. I feel like I, if I heard this, I would cry. <laughs> so. If there was one funny thing to laugh at, just a quick call back to last <laughs> week when Susie thought we were going to have funny, we're going to get funny <laughs> stories. So I, I thought we would have these stories of like retaliation against people who discriminated against them and that could be funny. You know, to be honest, that was probably our fault because we probably could have been a little bit more like, hey, it doesn't have to be like horrible right. instances, <laughs> even if they're like, Slight microaggressions that you, you took revenge on. Clap back at yeah. somebody. I don't know. I, I don't know what my expectation was. Again, I've worked in the same job my whole life. Yeah. So and we're also know. learning as we go. So right. hopefully the next time we'll learn to communicate those, you know, yeah. things better to you. But thank you all again for listening to us. The ups and downs of every episode must be, um, I don't know, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we're progressing. You know, think, I've read a couple so. of comments of people saying that, you know, we're getting better. Thank you. Which, were we bad? You know, <laughs> yep, that's, I was just about to say that. I was like, the Asian in me makes were, me like, were the we first ones were that bad. So bad. <laughs> yeah, no. We do thank you for being along on this journey with us. And uh, as always, if you do watch us on YouTube, please watch us on YouTube. I swear. I don't know where I'm even going with this, but if you do watch us on YouTube. Oh, if you watch us on YouTube, just know that we don't coordinate our outfits. Oh, right. <laughs> um, it just happens that way, like every week. Yeah, which may be the reason why this podcast is so great because we're like same, same. So like, you know, yeah. one with each well, other. Well, you're going like this, which is the opposite, but All it's, right. yeah, yeah. Well, it's because you told me not to fucking touch the microphone <laughs> and now I'm fucking paranoid. <laughs> <Dung>. <laughs> But uh, make sure to follow us on all of our socials. Um, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Sujo One, and I am Etch a Sketch with a J. You can find us on all the platforms at What in the Sheba. And also, if you are watching us on YouTube, please make sure you like, subscribe, and ring that bell. Ding. Otherwise, thank oh, you so much. Oh. Give them our email too. If you guys have any suggestions on episodes that you want us to talk yes. about, we of course love hearing from you. So go ahead and send it to our email. <laughs> our email. Don't fucking call me a boomer again. I'll reach across this fucking room and punch you in the face. I was going to say through the mic and then I was like, oh wait, we're here. Yeah, boomer. You're in person. Yeah, no. But our um, email, what was actually, before I say the email, what's funny is last week after I called you a boomer, I don't know if you caught it, but then I say at whatinthesheba.com as oh. well as a website. So, but please send us any suggestions on topics, things you would like to hear from us. Questions, anything. anything. We are going to do an AMA at some point. We'll let you know. So don't send those questions in yet. But if you do have any suggestions, it is what in the Shiba at gmail.com. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And okay, okay bye. bye. <laughs> boomer. I got your boomer oh, right here. Oh, man. That was, <laughs> <laughs> good.